You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Celtics Stuff Live with your hosts Justin Poulin and John Duke. Welcome to Celtics Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host Justin. That's John sitting right next to me, sort of all the way across the country. Uh, I'm traveling every single week, so you never know where I'm recording from, but. John's at home with the same background as always if you're watching us on video. And, John, we got it right. We set a split with the Nets and a win against the Knicks two-in-one week. We nailed it. Uh, I don't think it quite went the way I thought because I figured Kemba would take one more night off. And then there was a chance that we might see Kyrie in Brooklyn, but we did not. And uh, Celtics still split a spunky, scrappy bunch that's always had it out for the Celtics going way back to the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce and uh, that other guy, Jason Terry trade that uh, took all of their draft picks and put players who showed out big time against the Knicks on the Boston Celtics roster in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So great stuff. Uh, I, I, I kind of figured that Brooklyn loss, so it really doesn't hurt me that much. And I'll tell you what, it seems like Gordon Hayward is back on track, maybe ahead of schedule, doing five on zero. But we saw that video, what, a week and a half ago, and he was catching the ball with only one hand. And it seems like he's basically just doing non-contact uh, types of drills. But uh, definitely saw a new video. He was catching the ball with a bad hand seems like he's coming along, and it's going to make a huge difference. What this team has been missing since he's been gone, 10 games, 6-4 and four record, and at the same time, many of those losses against really good teams on a West Coast trip, and all of those losses coming very, very narrow margin-like, I guess is the way I'm going to say it. <laughs> Not necessarily the way to say it, but very narrow margins on those losses, which means that just a little bit of a push, and maybe the second best player on the team really going all-star level leading up to the injury is Gordon Hayward. So I feel like they're going to be back on track, and they're still on pace for like 59-60 wins as it is even to this point. So really encouraging stuff, and they're kind of tied for that 3-4 slot in the Eastern Conference, at least as we record this with a tip against Miami. And Marcus Smart's kind of run out 
of I can hustle until I break myself. So there are some of the major topics. If we can avoid the conversation that I know everybody wants to have that's been having, that'd be great, John. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very excited about Hayward's return as well. I mean, it, it's clear that this Suggs team has somewhat run out of gas a bit. Uh, I, I feel like that that long West Coast road trip, uh, they're doing, you know, when they lost Kemba, they lost Gordon. You know, it wasn't like the team two years ago where, you know, they were – they were kind of making do with what they had, but they had surprising depth. In this case, they really don't have depth outside of, you know, outside of those guys, those, those starting five players. And, and Smart, I think, has kind of run himself down to a nub as well. So this is perfect timing to have Hayward return, have Hayward, you know, reintegrate himself back into the uh, the, the team. And with a couple of really important games coming up with Indiana and Philadelphia next week, this is a, a really important time to have him back in the flow. And if they can get him back for those games, uh, I certainly like the Sulks' chances. Yeah, I think it's going to be a huge lift. And this is a guy, when you even uh, look at the, all the breakdowns that we got, you know, we talked about Marcus Smart on the podcast last week, how they were all pulling for Hayward, and he was even putting pressure on himself, and they were putting pressure on him to be the comeback player. He's a little bit of a rallying cry for this team. They love seeing him come back from it. And so if we could give Marcus a little bit of a rest and let Gordon come back and shoulder that load, and I don't know, the schedule's really not that tough. They've got uh, Miami on Wednesday, then they've got a night off game on Friday, Saturday, Sunday off before another game on Monday. So it does spread out a little bit. It gives Marcus some time. Probably when Gordon returns, Marcus is going to be fully healthy, too. But they do have to spread that. They have to spread that workload out a little bit, especially over the rest of the season. They've gotten to 20 games pretty much. It's a quarter of the way. And this is when we hit that holiday slash January struggle to the all-star break. And it's really important to manage the minutes. And even Keith Smith had a great article on Celtics blog where he kind of thought that maybe Marcus would take that Knicks game off and they'd be able to give him a nice extended rest that he was due for. They didn't. He takes a shot to the abdomen and now they're going to give him that time. But they do have to manage this midseason because I'll be honest with you. Like, I know the big man, the big man, the big man talk, but Tice has played really, really well. And for all the faults of, of Williams and then Cantor kind of getting lazy on D, both of those players are adequate. And depending on what you're trying to get on any given night off the bench, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. And I think Tice is giving you what you need. But it will really help when they've got guys all over on that starting unit with him that are all able to score and draw the attention off because his pick and roll is only going to get better, I think, as the season goes on. And the more shooters they have out there, the more likely they are to find the open man. And that throws right to the next game. And Jason Tatum's, what, was it a career high? It was definitely a season high, but I think it was a career high in assists, right? Eight assists. And so watching him, we've talked about this over the last several shows. They haven't necessarily been focal points, but where we said once Tatum figures out how to make that pass, kind of the leap that Jalen Brown has made this season, and we noted already that once Tatum started to do that, the ball movement was going to be phenomenal for this team. So hoping that uh, Tatum's progress against the Knicks continues and especially with more offensive weapons out on the floor with him. I think that's when Tice can really do some damage. But I just like the rebounding for an undersized front court. That that part, especially with Cantor getting some of those offensive rebounds that we thought he was going to be getting, and I know he was 
coming back from injury and getting into game shape. But the more he progresses in that way, the better things will be for this team. Um, and maybe people will stop talking about them being undersized. Well, yeah. And, and well, I, and that's for good reason that they are undersized, but that's the way the game's played now. You know, the idea of playing two, six, nine and seven foot uh, guys at the four and five position and have them just go sit on the blocks and make things happen. It's over. It's done. It's, you know, that's, that, that, that's not coming back. It's like the Dodo. It's, it's, it's over. So this is the, the modern game here. And, and, you know, would I like to have more heft and more, um, more rebounding prowess uh, out of Tice? Sure, I would. But, you know, I think for what the way that Brad wants to play, he's a better fit than Canner. He's certainly more reliable than Rob Williams is at this point. So, you know, it makes sense to keep going. I, I, I'm surprised we haven't seen as much shooting from Tice and stretching it out from three as we've seen in past years. Uh, but he's really effective at what he is doing. And the fact that he isn't, you know, looking for those shots, it's just all the more reason that it's allowing Jalen and allowing Tatum and allowing Kemba and Hayward to kind of do what they need to do. And that's, I think, the, maybe the most impressive thing is he's giving max effort out there. And he's, you know, there's making mistakes from time to time. But for the type of player he was, remember going into this year, I think, you know, we weren't sure we were going to get out of, out of Daniel Tice given the fact that last year he had such a hard time coming off of the uh, meniscus the meniscus tear uh, and really never got his feet under him last season like a lot of Celtics did. This year he came in really, I would say, um, a different somewhat player, a more of a rim runner uh, than what we'd seen in his first confident. season. But confident. very confident and, and making great reads. Um, you know, They were blitzing the pick and roll the other night and you know, a little pass over the top. And he's finding the guys in the corner, the opposite wing above the break. I mean, he's looking and finding those guys. Uh, and that's, you know, it doesn't mean you have to be Al Horford to do those sort of things. So kudos to, to Daniel Tice. How long before he starts shooting three-pointers? Well, I mean, he did a couple years ago. That's that's what I don't, you that's know, what I don't understand here. here either. Like, they forced Baines into shooting them and then look at Baines now on Phoenix, right. and he's one of the right. best three-point shooting big men in the league all of a sudden, and he's taking some of the highest number of attempts at the center position, and we don't see Tice even trying, and we know he can hit those. That is so, sure. somewhat interesting to me. He's, he's taken – so Tice has taken 13 so far this year. Uh, half as many as not even one a game, right? Not right. even one a game. Half as many as Shemi Ojale, you know, almost a third as many as uh, you know. Ha- certainly, go to Grant um, Williams. Half as many as Grant Williams, yeah, you know. I knew where we were going. <laughs> and, and he's, he's made, made two, two more than Grant has. Made, yeah. <laughs> so I knew we yeah. were going there. It's good, you know. The 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 levy's gonna break for Grant, but you know. It, it shooting we have not gotten a lot of shooting out of our bigs uh thus far this year and that that is maybe somewhat of a concern because at some point will you know these bigs on other teams just drop just drop 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 and uh, then force you know Boston to really um make some different changes with how they're attacking um with their centers but for right now, let's keep it rolling. I, you know, I'm, I think I'm more, as they look ahead, you know, I'm, I'm more concerned with can, can Tice sustain that defense, you know, that he's been doing um, so well. You know, can he play at that level? How many blocks throughout, does he have? Because you know, he's defense. had several 
you know, like good solid blocks. Do you have that stat right there? He's averaging one and a half per game right now. That's really good for an undersized center. 24. Uh, the team leader is Tremont Waters with two per game, but that's, you know, that might be a small sample size if you know. One I mean. game played, right? <laughs> well, so he's 5'10. So, well, another reason for it to be a small sample size. What a hustle but, guy in that game, though. He deserves uh, that, that uh, average, even if it's one game. Total hustle, great energy off the bench. You got to think we're going to be seeing him again pretty soon. And who knows? Maybe they'll call him up for the Miami game in lieu of Marcus Smart being out and Hayward's probably not going to be back for the Heat game, right? So G League player of the month. Yeah, I'm trying about Waters. So second Red Claw ever to, to be named to that honor. So very Who was the other one, that undersized guard that went to the Pelicans? Is that who the other one was? You look that up Tim real quick. Frazier. Might be Tim yeah, Frazier. Tim Frazier, that's we'll, what I'm we'll thinking. All right, yep. let's see if we can All find right, you out. You look that up, and I'll do whatever they call a station ID on podcasting. I don't know what it is, but we're going to do it. Follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter, at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as your host, at CSL underscore Justin, and at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Media Network, at CLNS Media, Facebook.com slash CLNS Fans, and download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace, YouTube.com slash CLNS media for high definition full length the locker room interviews garden report round table celtic stuff live john can you tell that i had like a super massive starbucks grande before we got on this baby i i i got the sense of that yeah yeah <laughs> gonna be up for a while buddy oh man wow well <laughs> yeah why not go for it man you're on the road live live la vida loca you know i'm just buying time for that did you figure it out is it tim frazier no did you figure going. out who it was? I know. Yeah, I know who it is. Let's see if you can come up with it. Celtics player. Don't, don't tell me it's Jordan Mickey. Oh, Celtics Kirk. Bingo. No, yeah, bingo. Jordan it Mickey. was Jordan Mickey. Yeah, yes. that's where I would have gone next. That's funny. Yeah, so, you know, get Jordan Mickey. You got, uh, you know, and you get Tremont Waters. I, I you know, I guess I would have thought Tremont – uh, has a has a higher ceiling at this point, but I thought a lot of Jordan Mickey in uh, 2015 as well. So it's a confidence. Here's the difference. Hell do I know? <laughs> this, I know this is way off the rails for people who you know we're going kind of deep on the bench here, but we've been doing it ever since we got credentialed access to the locker room and asked Doc all kinds of Leon Poe questions in front of the media who are trying to put a story together for major papers. And so we'll just continue it here. We give you what you want on Celtic Stuff Live, and, and that's way down deep, not the fluff. Jordan Mickey, though, never showed confidence with the parent club. That was the number one knock. And there were definitely flaws in his game, but he really suffered from a lack of confidence when he got called up, even though he looked totally together in the D league at the time. Now, Tremont waters, not suffering from that at all. Again, not the two blocks per game, but just the energy. Like he knew what he was doing to impact that game, not suffering from a confidence. If anything, you almost look at somebody like Carson Edwards, who continues to be a shooter, but does not display yet the confidence that he did in the summer league or even in preseason. He's kind of struggling somewhat with that shot. It's getting better. It's not as bad and cold as it was to start the season. But Tremont impacting the game in so many other ways, uh, even if he had had a tough shooting night that night, he still would have looked really good based on what they needed from him as a spark plug. And like you noted in the podcast following that, how he got 
Carson Edwards had almost rubbed off on him. Those two playing off of each other, and he instilled confidence in his backcourt mate from Summer League. I I think it's worthy to take a look at whether or not Carson should should take a trip up to Maine, uh, try to get some some feet under him. I don't, you know, he's had some some sparks of of glimmers of hope here and there, but you know, as a young player, it's really hard to sustain that or to build upon that because you just don't have the the knowledge base with which to to work from. You don't know what's coming next. So it's I think that's why you see so many of these young guys, these young shooters, they just it's very hard for them to make that that adjustment. Uh, now this could be it, it's possible that with with Smart out that that does open some time. Uh, you know, I think in part Wanamaker's ascension has hurt you know, Carson Edwards to a great degree and, you know, his ability to use those, those minutes that he's not getting because Wanamaker is getting them, you know, he's not able to knock the rust off. He's not able to shoot his way out of it, but clearly Edwards, when he comes in, he doesn't play scared. He doesn't play soft. He goes in and, and he gives you what he, what you expect from him. It's just, unfortunately there's still mistakes. He's a rookie and he's, and he's inconsistent. And unfortunately that's the, that's the name of the game. And, and largely why the Celtics bench has, has been so feast or more famine. Uh, I think this season, especially with you see Hayward and you see Kemba go down and so much being put on the guy on the guys like Jalen and Jason and smart by doing that, it just it, it even more so shows you how important it is to have veterans on a bench. And you're relying on, you know, Shemi Ojale is like the veteran on that bench. Brad Wanamaker in his second NBA season, though, obviously playing a number of years in Europe. That's a hard road to hoe for guys who are um, in their first season. And, you know, poor Grant Williams, 0 for 22. You know, he's going to make one. He's making a difference. He's making a difference in other areas, but he does need to. It's not like the shots are way off either. They're almost always back rimming. It's like he just needs to get a little more arc on that shot and go up with it instead of pushing the ball out. And I don't know that that's exactly what it is, or maybe he's just a little tired from doing all the dirty work and he doesn't quite have the lift in the legs and he just needs to get up another quarter of an inch when he's getting that shot off. But all he needs, I think, is a little more arc, just that shot's just a little flat. And if he could just take that part off, I think they all – they're not offline. I guess that's the thing I'm getting at. They're almost always a little too strong or front-rimming. Um, it's really not a left-right you know, kind of issue. So the release is good, everything else. I have to keep looking at that. I just hope he doesn't get scared to shoot it because he's going to have to do that. And when you talk about getting the bigs involved – if he can get that shot to go down, it's, it is going to be a difference maker because they'll be able to when when they are sagging, they'll be able to put Grant in and do that change of pace. And and Tice's, I think by All Star break, we're going to see him really working that in. I just think they have so many perimeter shooters, especially with the progression of Marcus Smart and him in that starting lineup, that they just don't need. They need Daniel being the cutter in many cases because they have Jalen parked out in the corner, not cutting, and that's another thing I'd like to see them do more of with that athleticism that Jalen has and we've talked about it before I hearken back and I know it wasn't Brad that was coaching the team it was Doc but the way that Avery Bradley used to cut down the middle I want to see more of that from Jalen because one thing he's realizing is that if he can move fluidly into a shot and and get up into the air sooner especially with a slightly open lane doesn't even have to be fully wide open that he's almost always elevating above the defender so he's just got to make sure that he's not 
um, getting a charge call. And otherwise, he's pretty much gravy to start attacking. And, and he's doing it in creative ways, but I think that needs to become more and more part of his offense. And we'll talk about that more in just a second. But football and basketball seasons are in full swing. Get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners, betonline.ag. Sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit to start betting college or professional ball. Every spread, every total, every winner or loser, straight bet, parlay, or tease your way through the season. Yes, you can even bet on wild proposition bets like who will make the college football playoff or who will be the NFL MVP. It's not going to be Brady, hint, hint. Get the fastest to market odds, updates, and payouts with our new sportsbook partners, betonline.ag. Head over to BetOnline today on your mobile device to join and use promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Also, I live in Pennsylvania, and I'm on the road all the time, and I love watching the Boston Celtics, and it used to be a big pain for me because they don't always show their games in my area, but this season, I discovered an amazing trick that lets me watch every single NBA game live for a fraction of the normal cost. It's called ExpressVPN, and here's how it works. The NBA offers the NBA League Pass, which lets you stream games online. But if you live in the U.S. or Canada, it doesn't let you watch all of them. Some of those games are blacked out. And what do you do? Fire up ExpressVPN and use it to change your location to a different country. Buy and use the NBA League Pass from there, and boom, no blackouts. And depending on the country, NBA League Pass could cost less than 15 bucks for a whole year. ExpressVPN works on your computer, phone, router, and consoles like Fire TV, so you can watch all the games from any device. And even when I'm not watching NBA, I have ExpressVPN on 24-7 because it also encrypts all my data keeping it safe from, yeah, those hackers. Enjoy all 1,230 games of the NBA season in HD with the world's most trusted VPN, ExpressVPN. Use our special link today to get three months free at expressvpn.com slash CSL, after which you can sign up for NBA League Pass at a huge discount. That's expressvpn.com slash CSL for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash CSL to learn more. And, John, while we're talking about Jalen, I'm talking a little bit of R-E-S-P-E-C-T slash CSL. <laughs> Man, this kid, talk about working him, working himself into that offense, defense. He does not encumber the flow of that team whatsoever. He is fully just integrated smoothly whatever's in the flow of the offense with a huge amount of defensive effort and i'm i'm so happy to see him make this leap my son brought me and i don't i know we weren't going to talk about this but i'm going to do this one part after the loss in brooklyn my son brings over the video of right after the game when everybody's giving Kyrie love and he goes look at the back no matter what Jalen said look at the back he doesn't even go over and say hi to Kyrie. He just walks off the floor. Now, I didn't go back and watch the video to see if maybe they missed it, but it sure looked like even though Jalen said all the right things, there's definitely, I think, some conflict there. <laughs> well, I mean, there was there was a lot of protesting about the Celtics fans' response. Okay, last Wednesday, and I, you know, I I understand it. I I get why. Um, 
you know, I think the team, players on the team, people who might still be friendly with with Kyrie, want to move forward. That's fine. I and mean, that's that's you know, I get that. I I understand they want to move forward. I think also in the words of Bobby Brown, that's their prov- their prerogative. Well, I think they're saying that they're making a good show. It's like it's like you know, just because Danny Ainge says that he doesn't. He's not going to, you know, do anything. You know, he doesn't think it's his fault. It's not Kyrie's fault. He's do that for show. No one believes that. And I don't believe that, the, you know, that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and those guys are all like, man, we really miss him. This would be so much better if he were here. You know, I don't think that's what's going on. I think what's going on is, okay, you know, hey, we used to play with you. How's, that, how's it going? Personally, they may be okay. But as teammates, as, as guys who are sharing the court, they're good. They're good with the way it is. And I think that's that's the message I took out of those two games is like, look, the fans are going to give it to him. They have a right to give it to him. They should give it to Kyrie. He deserves what he gets, uh, quite frankly. But, you know, I understand why the players want to move on. And I think it will lessen over time. It, it the, the return is over. There will be probably at some point he may try to play there. Now nah, he's coming back to Boston at some point. He's going to have to play, and yeah, Boston's not going to let it go. And yeah. look, the Celtics as an organization have done an amazing job of making people feel welcome. And look at you know the reception that Hayward got when we didn't even know he was coming here, and Crowder took a little bit of offense to that. Like, look at what you already have. What are you guys doing? Come on, I'm playing my butt off for you, right? But and and guys that have returned have gotten really special treatment. Like this organization has done a lot to lay those inroads so that they don't alienate players, and so that players and free agents will want to come here. And I think there's a little bit of toe the line going on here that way. And it doesn't do anything for the players to go revisit last year. To Marcus's point, and 100% on, look at the team that you have on the floor. Why don't you focus on this, and why don't you enjoy it? And I'm 100% behind that, but I'm not buying that there aren't some still lie. I, I still think Kyrie is a lot to blame, is my point, no matter what the company line is on this. Well, and and I don't think that. I don't think that they're saying it wasn't. I think they're just trying to, you know, move move forward. I think we have every right as fans uh, to be pissed off and and yell and scream and be angry with the fact that that the damage that he did to this franchise uh, is significant. Still, you know, we can say we've moved on, but as you know, and what happens I, to Spencer Dinwiddie? You well, know what I mean? Like what him. happens? I, I know what you're saying, but there's but, but there like, is nobody, everybody's like, oh, don't look at what's going on with the Nets with Kyrie sideline and 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 extrapolate that to what happened yeah. with the Celtics last year. And I yeah. want to be like, I want to be like, how can you not? How can you not look at that? It, it look one thing I know from watching. Let's say he was perfectly fine and everybody was friendly. It still doesn't matter. Let's just judge it from on the court. Then you want me to you want me to buy in as a fan. And throw all that out the window and just say what I see on the court. What I see on the court is a total ball hog who doesn't know how to get his teammates involved. And whether there were resentments in personal issues between people, maybe not. But on the basketball court, dude, I'm not sure that he's good for team chemistry. And the way that this ball moves and you still see a 
player like Kemba Walker get 39 points and feel like everybody else on the team was still involved in the win. But last year when Kyrie's getting 39 points, it feels like everybody else was on the sidelines for his show. Yeah. And that's an issue. It's it's so much more than a, a, an issue of how many people are holding the ball. It's it's a, it is about when chemistry is tangible and and it's felt. And and that's that's the measure of it. Because when you look at the numbers, Kemba's holding the ball as much as as Kyrie is. But nobody fe- it feels completely different. And you know it because you've watched and I've watched and we're all watching it. It feels completely different out there. And if that's because the interpersonal relationships, they can still like Kyrie, but that weirdness, that tension, that un- whatever's unsaid, unspoken is causing rifts and causing weirdness and weirdness on the court. It does not help a basketball team win games when you have to be close and you got to be on a string. And so it's too bad. And look at, see you, and look at the turd that Jalen had oh. to eat last year around that because he was trying to figure out how to get integrated and then look at how seamlessly he integrates himself this year without taking away from other players and their offense, and still throws up 28 points in a win against the Knicks. And look at his performances in the fourth quarter. He has these moments where he's able to lift the team up when they need a run, give them that big push, but he doesn't ball dominate during that stretch. He just gets it when it's given to him, and then he's happy to let it Tatum do the next steps or let Kemba Walker step in or whoever. And that, to me, is another big piece of evidence on what was wrong with the way that that was going. And maybe Jalen had a right to be disgruntled. And if you had to make a choice between two players, how about the guy who kept his mouth shut all season long last year, took a back seat, went to the bench, never got mad at Hayward. If anything, those two players, you know, tried to find ways to work together off the bench. Once they put Jay, once they put Gordon with Jalen off the bench, they continued to find ways to be successful together. He eats that. And then this season, he continues to be a pro by not fueling into that and yet letting his words and his act, let his not letting his words, but letting his actions give us the evidence to show the truth. Because that's how I look at it. And it's amazing to me because he's doing this so seamlessly in the love fest for Kemba and, and what we're seeing from Tatum and his game growing. I feel like Jalen's under the radar. All we did to talk about this team in the preseason was, are they going to extend Jalen? Is it too much money? Blah, blah, blah. There's no way they should have paid him after he signed it. All this criticism. And yet all of it's gone away. Nobody's criticizing the contract anymore. And he's totally playing in the way Brad would want him to play and you see these big moments where he's performing and in my mind he's totally earned the contract and we're only 20 games into it and if anything he stepped up in all the right ways after signing that contract and how many players do the contract year and then dive on performance and effort not Jalen he's in it to win it well and I I would say that there's a lot there's a run of these guys and I think you know smart certainly is someone you would invest in money in and and Danny did and he did with Jalen 
And he didn't with he's Rozier. He's clearly going to and with Tatum. He, yeah, and he, he, and with he will with Tatum. And yeah. you have to feel good about, you know, you've said it a lot, you know, like, isn't it great to be building around these two guys to be here for 10 years and see what happens? You know, and I think that's that's so true as you're watching that game against the Knicks. And those two were just rolling. You know, remember the days when the New York Knicks in a game at MSG mattered? No one cared about that game, but I don't care. Those two guys went to Madison Square Garden, and they took over, and they made that thing happen. And uh, and it's the Jays. This has been going absolutely. since they drafted Tatum. This is what they wanted, and I think that definitely played in. And I'm sure that it was a struggle for these two players, and that's why everybody on the team recognizes that it wasn't just Kyrie's fault, but you could understandably look at Jalen and, and and Jason and say, look at what they did in the postseason the year before. Look at Jalen was the best player in that postseason run, and then the next season he's coming off the bench because he can't integrate into the Kyrie offense. And now all of a sudden it's all back again. The magic between those two players, and that's why I've always said I don't want to. We talked a lot about trading Jalen last year, but I just really felt like those two guys want to play together now and forever. And they're figuring out more and more ways to play off of each other. And here's what Kemba gives them. He gives them the opportunity to do that. There's no ego. There's no, I have to win this game or we won't. He has full confidence in his teammates and he has full confidence in Brad's strategy and game plan. And it's giving them the room to do what this team really needs to be done for a nice, long, competitive window of basketball. And that's why I didn't want to trade him for Anthony Davis. I, I felt like Anthony, and we've already seen it with the Lakers, like he might not even be with the Lakers at the end of this, right? Like he might choose to go somewhere else already. I feel like these two guys, if this organization commits to them and just gives them their contract, that they'll stay here. They'll stay here for a long time. And with their athleticism and skill set, and fluidness and willingness to work together is going to be able to give this Celtics team a much longer window window of contention. Will they win a championship? Who knows? But nobody thought the Raptors would win a championship last year. Nobody thought they'd be crap without Kawhi. And they have all these young players that grew up in the right atmosphere. And through that, now you see guys like Siakam and Fred Van Fleet having really career years. And they're still at the top of the standings despite losing their best player last year. That's the kind of sustainability that I wanted to see the Celtics build and why I was behind the youth movement last year when we were all clamoring for, you know, let's trade it away and let's take our big shot. And what would have happened, and this was my biggest fear, but what would have happened if Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis joined up here, signed long-term contracts, and never won a championship, and then all of a sudden they both bolt after that contract? And you're left with empty-handed, and Jason and Jalen are hitting their prime somewhere else. That was always my biggest concern. Well, I I think that's a long way down. I'm I'm not I'm 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 gonna still stand up for the idea that a, a Kyrie Irving, uh, Anthony Davis, you know, duo in terms of ability, still would have been worthwhile looking at. I I understand what you're saying, and and I'm happy to have that. And, and certainly, once we got past yeah. mid year when things were weird and crazy, yeah, it was. I didn't want Kyrie Irving anywhere near my team, but. This is as great as these guys are. You still have to look at what is their ceiling. Where do they go? How high can they be? Can they be a top 10 player? Can they be a top 15 player? Can both of them be top 15 players or top 10 players on the same roster? This is, I mean, this is 
from here on, you're locked into that. And that's not a bad place to be. But if you have two, a top five and a top 15, you're automatically a contender. Are they a contender now? Maybe. I'm not sure. I feel like they are. But but let's make that's, sure that's we continue certainty. to keep Smart in the mix because one of the big developments sure. this year, we saw him as potentially a playmaker and a point guard, but his ability to orchestrate the offense is definitely there. So as Kemba's contract comes to an end and Smart moves into that role, especially with the leadership that he has and how well he hustles, I don't see any reason why we aren't talking about those three players into the future. And maybe it's not Lob Williams. Maybe it's whoever they drafted the Memphis pick. If they don't end up moving that and making any moves, maybe there's a center that they get, you know, in the draft that ends up partnering with these guys and they have them on a rookie deal, but they're a major impact player. Like you're right. There's a lot to still be said, but I think a core of smart and Tatum and Brown in the future after the Hayward and Kemba years, when they're in their mid twenties in their primes with all of this playoff experience that they're going to have under their belts at such young ages, it bodes really, really well. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer, you say it, John. Samuel Elias. Executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke. I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. All right, John, the coffee is not the the impact of the coffee is not wearing off. There's still lots of grande dark coffee coursing through my veins and so now we're going to do predictions because everybody is still listening and they know we always do our weekly predictions let's carry it through monday night because we haven't made it to a sunday night recording and i don't even know how long so let's not let's just be fair with ourselves if we come back on sunday we can laugh about it and we can include the Cavaliers in our predictions. But we've got a Wednesday against the Heat, a Friday against the Nuggets, two days off, Monday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Nuggets are definitely a tough matchup for this Celtics team, and the Heat are really surprising everybody in the Eastern Conference right now as well. So not the easy out that we might have thought they would have been in previous years. they got Jimmy Butler now. Um, none is doing – is it none or done? It's done. No, yeah. it's none. Kendrick Nunn. None, right. None, not about done. Done out of, uh, yeah, exactly. Hartford or whatever. So anyway, he's still, Chris Dunn is still trying to hang around in this league with Chicago, right? Anyway, so they got none. Not nearly as well as none. Yeah, not, we've not, he's got, his chances of being good are none. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Remember Sorry. when everybody thought we should draft him? So, yeah. Funny. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He was a big okay. favorite. He was a big favorite that New England. Yeah. So, all right. Heat, Nuggets, Cavs. I'm gonna go with another two and one. I don't know which one they're gonna lose. I feel like they can be competitive with the Heat just because they've got the length and the athleticism. And I, and I, 
I, I don't think they get beat up in the middle. The Nuggets are just such a tough matchup, but they got a chip on their shoulder to try to beat this Nugget team. And so, you know, there could be a loss to the Heat and a revenge one against the Nuggets. Cavs have been spunky this year, but they don't get by the Celtics. I'm going two and one. I just can't quite figure out which game the Celtics win and lose between the Heat and the Nuggets, but they're only going to get one. I'm thinking it's going to be the Heat with Marcus Smart out. Um, just because he's been the heart and soul and Hayward's not back. If I have to pick one of those, I'm going to say they win the revenge game against the Nuggets um, and uh, lose the game against the Heat. But at least all three games are at home. So it's nice that they're just settled right in. They had a, a long West Coast trip. They come back for one, then they do a home and away with Brooklyn and then stay in New York for the Knicks. I think it'll be nice for them to just be home and kind of chilled in their own uh, in their own homes, their own beds. Sleeping sound. It's a possible three and zero, but I'm gonna go two and one. I guess I'm predicting a loss against the Heat. Wow, wow, that's crazy. I, I'm also gonna go two and one because I'm similarly concerned, more so about the inability for them to um, to compete without Hayward and Smart. If Hayward was back, I'd feel a lot better about trying to get three and zero out of this. Because uh, I think you're right. I think they really want to beat the hell out of the Nuggets. I think there's a dislike there, a genuine dislike, and I share that dislike with that team. Uh, I really want to see them beat them. But, you know, you want to get two shots out of them a year. And, you know, unfortunately, they've been kind of uh, up against it every time. They've been they've faced them ever since, you know, Murray went off there last year. So, um, Murray. I also, yeah, Murray. Uh, I. I like this Heat team. I think they're very deep. Uh, I'm not as big a fan of Jimmy Butler as other people are. Uh, he, of the 24% three-point shooting and uh, 41% from the field, uh, I don't. that does not make me frightened. They do get to the line like nobody's business. They're second league in, in free throw rate, um, and, and they, they really do a really nice job at it. So I am uh, I'm going to definitely lean towards being the Heat and probably struggling against uh, Denver. But if they went 3-0, and it really, in a way it wouldn't surprise me because I felt like that they've kind of found something with that fourth quarter against uh, you know the Knicks. If Grant Williams can play consistently, and that's the thing with young guys, if he can play consistently with that sort of effort here through this week, they can go three and zero with those t- those types of teams that they're competing against. Um, so, uh, are you saying three and zero or two and one? I'm going to stay two and one. I'm going to hedge my bet. I, I'm not. I'm going to say two and one, but I think I think that they get they get the heat. They lose the Denver game, which is probably more upsetting to me than losing the Miami game. But I'm I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, so bro. You're not telling me there's a chance. There's always a chance. Yeah. <laughs> there's always a chance. <laughs> oh, great. All right, John. What do you say? What do you say at the end? If you're still listening, there's no apologies needed for us going long. But if you're still listening, uh. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs>